All right, tonight we are part 15 in our study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're about to be done with this in a couple of weeks. So there's a lot of trying to finish up last minute things about this study. Um, In some ways it has, it's been somewhat frustrating because I feel like I've spent more time saying, here's what the Holy Spirit doesn't do. It doesn't do this. It doesn't do this. It doesn't do this because I have to counter all of the teaching of all the claims that the Holy Spirit does these things that we clearly don't see any reality of those things happening. So I've hated that the study has had more of a negative perspective than anything positive, but that's just the way it is. So what we've done, and we're utilizing a book that I used in seminary, is that this book breaks down the various ministries of the Holy Spirit, and it listed a number of them. Uh, In fact, it listed 11, and those 11 ministries were number one, his ministry concerning the universe, number two, his ministry concerning the scriptures, Number three, his ministry concerning the nation of Israel. Number four, his ministry concerning the devil. Number five, his ministry concerning the Savior. Number six, his ministry concerning the sinner. Number seven, his ministry concerning the church. Number eight, his ministry concerning the day of Pentecost. Number nine, his ministry concerning the believer. Number ten, his ministry concerning the spiritual gifts. And number 11, his ministry concerning the fruit of Christ. Now, I, we, I've at least given all of those, correct? Did, did, I, did you already have all of those? Okay, well, I'll go through them one more time just because, especially people doing the topical method of Bible study, this could possibly give them a tool. And once they go through all the scriptures, trying to organize them or place them in categories, these are good categories to group everything together in. So it's kind of uh, helping those people along. So if for some reason anyone who's doing the topical method need these, let me give them to you one more time. There are various ministries of the Holy Spirit, according to Wilmington's uh, Guide to the Bible. And these are the 11. Number one, his ministry concerning the universe. So how this would work, any any verse that speaks about the Holy Spirit in regards or in connection to the universe, you would place it in that grouping or in that category. The second one is his ministry concerning the scriptures. Any scripture that speaks of the Holy Spirit in regards to the scriptures, that's you would group it that way. Number three, uh, his ministry concerning the nation of Israel. Any now, there, this one can be very difficult in how to do this. You could, you could find any scripture that specifically speaks of the Holy Spirit in regards to Israel as a nation, or you could find any scripture that speaks of the Holy Spirit working with someone connected to Israel, like a king, a priest, or a prophet of Israel, or Israel, the Israelites in general. You could group them all together that way. That can be very helpful trying to go through all these scriptures. Another one would be the ministry concerning the devil. Anything where you have the Satan and the Holy Spirit somehow, what's the connection there? That one would be an interesting one. His ministry concerning the Savior, all right? Uh, His ministry concerning the sinner. His ministry concerning the church. His ministry concerning the day of Pentecost. His ministry concerning the believer his ministry concerning spiritual gifts, and his ministry concerning the fruit of Christ. 
right? So those are just a very easy tool. Now, the goal was to try to go through all of them, but there's, always, there's been so many things that's happened. Either we didn't have service for this reason or we haven't had service for this reason. And I've not wanted to try to work on this necessarily in podcasts where I'm just simply in, not in front of anyone because uh, it, just because of the nature of, of how we have to work through this. But we've covered some of these. We've, co- we've covered his ministry concerning the universe and we did a little bit of work of his ministry concerning the scriptures. Now, when it comes to his ministry concerning the scriptures, if you remember correctly, his ministry concerning the scriptures are typically, they're broken down into kind of three things, revelation, inspiration, and illumination. And we talked about revelation has ceased. Uh, inspiration was the process to give us the Bible. So he gave revelation and then that revelation through the process of inspiration ended up in the Bible. But we reject illumination because illumination would claim that God opens your eyes. And so your understanding is therefore from God, which would ultimately make it basically infallible. All right. So we, we talked about that. Now, we could work through those. We could go through all the scriptures to speak of the spirit's uh, involvement in revelation and inspiration and illumination. But we're going to skip all of that. And we're going to skip a number of these tonight. Here are the two we're going to work on. I doubt we'll, do, we'll get through both of them. We're going, to work, uh, we're going to look at the Spirit's ministry concerning the believer and the ministry concerning uh, the fruit of Christ. Those are the two we're going to work on. And the reason why is because I want to make sure before this is over that I've covered all the supposed claims that are made about what the Spirit does for the believer inside the believer. Because I would argue, if you take most of the teaching about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and listen to what Christians claim, well, then Christians should basically be, I don't know, we should all believe the same, we should all have the same doctrine, we should have the same theology, we should never be wrong in our Bible interpretation, and we basically should never sin. And we know that none of that is true. There's no agreement, there's constant arguing about theology and doctrine and Christian sin continually. So there's something wrong. So we're going to look at what they have to say here and see what we can find. All right. So we're going to look at the ministry concerning the believer. I just have to find it. One second here. All right, here we go. They have it described this way. His ministry concerning the Christian or his ministry concerning the believer. I'm going to do a couple of things here. I'm going to open up the Spreaker app just in case someone has any questions or comments this evening. Okay, I'll definitely try to keep my eye out for that. All right, are we ready? Here we go. Let's see how far we can get. This is how they start. Thus far, we have discussed the ministry of the Holy Spirit in regards to the universe, the scriptures, Israel, Satan, Christ, sinners, and the church and Pentecost. All right. Those are some of those categories we've already mentioned. All right. But what ministry does the, does he or does the Holy Spirit perform for that special group of New Testament people called Christians? The instant an unsaved person prays, God be merciful to me, a sinner, the Holy Spirit immediately affects, are you ready? A five-fold work in him. So they claim there's a five-fold work 
inside the believer. Now, we're getting ready to have a a little bit of a problem here because this is a school that I went to who had a certain view on the order of salvation uh, that I I went to other schools that disagreed with their, their view, and I disagree with this view, all right? Because when it comes to the order of salvation, let's see, I mean, you guys should know, but I'll just make sure we make it clear. Remember, there's a big difference in the order of salvation when it comes to the order of regeneration versus faith, right? Some people put what before what? Faith first, and then you have faith, which then regenerates you. And the other view says, regeneration God regenerates you and then gives you the faith and moves on. So there's a, there's a, they, if you listen to how they just spoke it, they clearly go with faith first. They clearly go with the faith coming first. All right. So I don't want to get into a whole issue here, but we'll see what they have to say about this. All right. So how many, um, fivefold work is what they claim, right? Fivefold work. Are you ready for the first one? All right. The first one, according to them, is the Holy Spirit regenerates the believing sinner. He regenerates the believing sinner. Now, please note, they put believing before the regeneration. Do you, do you just, did you catch that? Right. We would reject that concept. I can't believe because I'm dead. He has to regenerate me so that I can believe. And not only does that, he has to grant me the faith. So that I will believe because, well, faith is not something I have. Faith is a gift that God grants, right? But this places the concept of regeneration, all right? The concept of regeneration. What's the basic meaning of the word regeneration? All right? Y'all can look it up. Look it up in English dictionary. Say what you find. Regeneration. Regeneration. I don't want this turned to an entire theological study on regeneration, but we'll have to at least mention it. There we go. It's a birth. Okay? It's, it's giving life. It's not necessarily a re- restoration. It's an actual birth. In other words, we come from what? Death to life. Okay? Almost kind of the idea of what? A resurrection almost, correct? That we are granted life or what's another way we could describe it? The idea of being born again, right? That we are given life, we're given birth, right? That's, that's kind of the concept of regeneration. Now, let, we'll read some scriptures here. And this one does raise a lot of, of uh, questions. Well, let's go through them. All right, well, first I'll read what they have to say, all right? The Holy Spirit regenerates the believing sinner. He literally recreates him and gives him the nature of God. The Holy Spirit thus functions as a divine midwife to the repenting sinner as he ushers him into the kingdom of God. This is accomplished by the instrument of water, which is symbolic language for the word of God. So they say this occurs. The Holy Spirit is connected with the word of God, and it's through the preaching of God's word and the Holy Spirit that the sinner is regenerated. Now, I believe the way it works is the work of the Spirit and the word of God that regenerates me, gives me life, gives me faith, and that's how it works. They go with the idea that you believe and then you get the life, which is, to me, (laughs) backwards completely. But okay. 
Here's some of the scriptures they give. Go to Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, 5. Right? Tell me, or you can say amen when you're there. Titus 3, 5. Here we go. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Titus 3, 5. Now, how does the NIV, what, what is it, does it use the word Regeneration. Just says the washing of rebirth and renewal. So they call it a new birth. Right? They call it a new birth. I'm going to look in this translation. All right. Titus 3, 5. It, this translation has it this way. He saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. They use the word regeneration. So, obviously, there's something we can do right here. We should look up the Greek word, right? So, if you have the Blue Letter Bible app, let's get an idea of the word regeneration. All right, that's Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Look at the interlinear. Regeneration, all right? I'm going to have to close the Spreaker app really quick. It is this Greek word, all right? Everybody ready? It is this one. Strong's G, 3824. Polygonesia. Polygonesia. Polyga, polyga, all right? Polygonesia, all right? And what it is used two times, and how is it translated? Both times in the King James. Regeneration, that, that makes it simple. And Strong's definition? Spiritual rebirth, the state or the act, figuratively spiritual renovation, specific, specially messianic restoration, regeneration. Right? The two places it's used is Matthew 19, 28. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in his throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And then Titus 3, 5 is the one which we just read. So it's only used twice. The outline, and they say the outline of biblical usage, they go through a lot here. New birth, reproduction, renewal, recreation, regeneration. Hence, renovation, regeneration, the production of a new life consecrated to God, a radical change of mind for the better. The word is often used to denote the restoration of a thing to its pristine state. It's renovation as a renewal or restoration of life after death. All right. Now this leads to lots of questions, does it not? All right. There's no question that Titus 3, 5 speaks that we have been regenerated. Can ever, we can all agree to that. So as a Christian, we have experienced regeneration. We have experienced a new birth. Now they add a lot of concepts here, right? Like, okay, he's, he's 
placed a, a new nature inside of us and all of these, that we've been restored to some pristine state and there's all these, these descriptions that are descriptors they use to describe it. But this raises lots of questions, all right? So here's some things to consider. We can't deny that regeneration occurs. The problem is we can describe regeneration as something that occurs that seems to very much contradict the reality of most Christians' lives, which then causes some major problems. So what what are your options at that point? Well, you either start stating that people are not saved, right? So then you just start pointing not saved, not saved, not saved, because I don't see the proof of regeneration. I don't see the proof of regeneration. And then if you're not careful, you'll start questioning your own salvation and then salvation really becomes a matter of, well, what you're doing or not doing and not based off an imputed righteousness. And this becomes a problem. Let's, let's do this. You got a Bible dictionary nearby. Let's just look up the word regeneration there and see if they offer any insight. Right? Let's see if there's an entry here. Right. Let's see if there's an entry here. What was it? 1074. Okay, I found it right here. All right, here we go. This is how they describe it. Regeneration. The spiritual change brought in about in a person's life by an act of God. I do believe it's an act of God. All right, there's no question there. And regeneration, a person's sinful nature is changed and that person is enabled to respond to God in faith. Please note what they just said there. What's the key phrase that they use that should make you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know how we understand this. The sinful nature is changed. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a massive claim. Would you, would you agree? That's a massive claim. Now, this is, this is very much connected to the Holy Spirit, right? So just think about how this works. Here, we got two people. We got person A and person B, right? Person B is not saved. So they don't experience a regeneration. Person A experiences a, a regeneration. Okay, well, we know it's a birth. We know it's life. But now if we claim that the old nature is actually changed, I mean, now we are making some massive claims that I think could be problematic. What else do they go on to say in regards to this? The word regeneration occurs only in the New Testament, Matthew 19, 28, and Titus 3, 5. But the concept or idea is common throughout the Bible. The literal meaning of regeneration is being born again. There is a first birth and a second birth. The first, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, is of the flesh. The second birth is of the spirit. Being born of the spirit is essential before a person can enter the kingdom of God. Every biblical command to people to undergo a radical change or character from self-centeredness to God-centeredness is in effect an appeal to be born again. Great religious experiences, that of uh, Jacob at the uh, Jabbok, Moses at the burning bush, Josiah on hearing the reading of the law, or Isaiah in the temple, might well be regarded as new birth. Thus, regeneration involves an enlightening of the mind, 
a change of the will, a renewed nature. It extends to the total nature of people, changing their desires and restoring them to a right relationship with God in Christ. The need for regeneration grows out of humanity's sinfulness. It is brought about through God's initiative. Good works in the human heart and, the, and God works in the human heart and the person responds to God through faith. Thus, regeneration is an act of God through the Holy Spirit, resurrecting, resulting in resurrection from sin to a new life in Jesus Christ. And please note what verse they have at the very end. 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, the new creation, old is gone. Now that, again, that's a massive, please, so basically that almost sounds like what? The eradication of the old nature. That's almost what that sounds like. And you, do you understand the massive problem with that? <laughs> if the old nature is gone, well, there should be no problem in the church. I mean, you can't explain all of the sin and all the problems and all the... Fr- you can't explain why over and over and over we demonstrate that we love so many other things more than the things of God. I mean, over and over and over we show it. So I, I, I put it this way. I cannot conclude that regeneration is the eradication of the old nature. That just does not, ex- that does not work for me. That does, there's just no way. And I don't believe 2 Corinthians 5.17 is... Res- re- uh, Referencing the fact that I am a new creature in practice, or in or in a practical way, but that I'm a new creature in my position. So, how do we understand regeneration? Now, what are some problems in trying to come up with any kind of a, a workable solution here? It's only used two times. Okay, that's a ma- that's a major problem, right? So, the, the second, the one in Matthew, that's not of any help, is it? Because that's not even a reference to salvation. That's a reference to something that's going to happen in the future when Christ is sitting on his throne. That's not talking about salvation. So, that's not very helpful. So, go back to the Titus one, and what can, you, what can we deduce from just that verse? Let's take it apart. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. All right, so regeneration does not come by what? Works. Okay, that, that, we can all agree on that, can we not? But according to his mercy. So it's by mercy, it's not by works. Okay, uh, he saved us, and so it's, it, it's connected to salvation. And what has he done? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Does the next verse offer any explanation of what it is or definition of what it is or any illustration of what it is? Does it do anything that would would go, oh, oh, the next verse explains what it is? Okay. Okay. That, that would be, yeah, now, yeah, we could get in, we have to get into a, gr- a grammar going, what does that go back to, okay? The whole an- what, antecedent thing? But the bottom line is it doesn't, it doesn't clarify anything. Will we agree? All right, so we're really left with one verse. 
Now, I do agree, other verses may take up the concept of regeneration, but I'm saying the one verse that actually mentions it just says that it's not something that I get or I do, it's something God does. And I completely agree with that. And that we are regenerated. I guess it comes down to this. And this is the, ne- the never-ending debate. Well, here are some things I think we can be dogmatic about. Clearly, we can be regenerated and still possess the sinful nature. We have to, we have to say that, right? We have to say that. Because if people don't possess the sinful nature, then what would be possible, not only be possible, what would be plausible and what would be probable? Sinless people. Yeah, all right. Clearly it's not possible. Clearly it's not probable. So clearly the old nature remains. So any claim that the regeneration changes the old nature or gets rid of it is problematic just from a practical standpoint, right? So the old nature still has to remain. Now, that much we would have to agree with. So then the question can be, as a a person who's experienced regeneration, how much sin can be manifested and present in a person's life who has been regenerated. Yeah, in someone's life. And guess what? Nobody can give an answer. And here's the thing, people, because immediately people say, well, you can't do that, and they'll, they'll name a sin. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Oh, I can just give you, the, I can demonstrate that as a regenerated person, you're in sin pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'll give you two commands. Be holy as God is holy. That, that's repeated in the New Testament, right? Okay. Have you ever been as holy as God is holy? No. All right. So that means you're in a continual state of sin. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Have you ever loved God that way? No. All right. Love, love others as you love yourself. Probably never even done that. So just those three commands would show that you're in a perpetual state of sin. Yet you're regenerated. Now here's what we'll do. You can commit those sins all the time and nobody calls into question your salvation, right? You get drunk, commit a sexual sin, you're done. Isn't that weird? Oh, oh, so these are the venial sins and those are the mortal sins. It just becomes Catholicism. I wish I had a better answer. I don't have, you know, someone said, well, so what, what's the answer? I don't know the answer. I just know that I can experience regeneration. Here's the, here's the way I'm going. Now you, I know this is going to, oh, I'm just going to probably tick everyone off, but I'm just going to do this anyway. To me, the only answer I can come up with is regeneration is the idea of bringing me to spiritual life so that I can exercise faith in God because as a dead person, I could not. He brings me to life, gives me faith, and I believe. So I, I, think this, I think this is the minimum that we can agree. That if a person has been regenerated, they're going to be alive to the things of God to some level, right? They're going to believe in God. Hopefully there would be some evidence of spiritual desire, right? Okay? There would be some, some level of spiritual desire. I can't go beyond that. They say, well, because, and then immediately, the, I mean, 
If we had more people here tonight, I guarantee we probably could get into a debate in five minutes. No, no. This, this, you, you, a person who's regenerated cannot do this. I guarantee people would give me a list of these things you can't do and be regenerated. And I'm like, I don't, how can you say that? How can you say that? And get, and what, isn't it funny what people always do? Guess what's always on the list of things you can't do when you're regenerated? What do people always put on the list? And, uh, and what do they exclude from their list? They put things that they don't do on the list. Right. And it's amazing that you can, that you, there's things uh, that, that you can not do as a regenerated person. It just doesn't happen to be the things you've done. But the things you've done, you can do as a regenerated person. That is just... That is so disingenuous and so just messed up, it's not even right. So I, I don't... Regeneration, here's what, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. Regeneration makes me alive to God. And, God, and by, by making me alive to God, God grants me the faith so that I can believe. I, I, I don't know what else, what, what more can be said there. Okay, well, we'll see what other scriptures are offered. But the Holy Spirit's the one who's involved in this. And I agree with that, all right? Because, well, Titus makes that clear, does it not? Oh, here's, a, here's something we should do really quick. All right. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Twilight just said, or they put the mortal sins and not the venial ones. Exactly. I mean, that's what it always turns into. Here, here's something we should do. What did we not look at in Titus 3.5? There's something we skipped. What did we skip in Titus 3.5? Well, we think the washing is according to the word. Okay. Now, when I was a Lutheran, the washing was baptism that produced regeneration. Okay, which problem. No, I believe the washing is connected to the washing of the word found in what? Ephesians. The renewing. Renewing of the Holy Spirit. Everybody see that, that phrase? Okay, let's look at the word Renewing. The word renewing is this. Strong's G342, anachinosis. 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 Anachinosis, and I'm glad I listened to that because I would probably say anachinosis, but it's anachinosis, okay? And it is used how many times? Two times. Once again, not much. And it's always translated renewing, and guess what it means? Renovation or renewing. Guess what the outline of biblical usage? Renewal, renovation, complete change for the better. A complete change for the better. Now, listen to me carefully. Okay, everybody listening? All right, pay, I'm going to pay close attention here. Regeneration, renewal. Right? Regeneration and renewal... Think of it this way. In regards to one's spiritual condition versus in regards to one's life's actions. I want to draw a distinction there. Because I do believe that in regeneration, I'm made alive, right? That is a renewal. That's, that's a restoration. That's a regeneration. That is to something better. I go from death to life, right? Right? I go from non-faith to faith. 
that is a, that, that's okay because I can come to faith and I can come to a spiritual life. Does that always translate to an absolute, complete renewal, restoration, basically a sinless life? Clearly it doesn't. 2,000 years of church history says it doesn't. Now, we preach it that way all the time. When you became saved, you were regenerated, you were made alive to God, you became a new creature, old things passed away, old things become new, and everybody in the church says, amen, and then they all go home fighting with their wife, fighting with their kids, bitterness, unforgiveness, gossip, slander, um, lust, you name it, and it's like nobody goes, what's wrong with me? So I think that there is a there is a regeneration, there's a restoration, there's a renewal that happens in my spirit, in the fact that, that my spirit that was dead is now given spiritual life. I'm alive to God. So there, there is a dramatic change in the fact that I go from death to life, I go from no faith to faith. I go from an unrepentant heart to a repentant heart. Does that always translate into a massive change of life? In theory, I want to say it changes it, but I can't, I can't judge it by the amount of change that is evident in a person's life. And the reason I can't do that is if I'm not careful, I turn regeneration into what? If I'm not careful, what can we turn regeneration into? Something else, or, or a different word, the whole Protestant Reformation, I turn it into an infused righteousness. It's not an infused righteousness. It's a regeneration. It's, a, it's giving life. It's not infusing me with righteousness. It's giving me spiritual life. There's a difference between being infused with righteousness and just being made alive. Being made alive should result in what? What should be some basic concepts of being made alive? Well, alive to God, I clearly there, there should be faith in God, yes. And I think there should be some spiritual desire. But even that, i got to be careful, right? Because I can, I, I look, I, can, I can demonstrate people are not saved in a couple of minutes. I can go to the book of Psalms. How, how long are you supposed to meditate on God's word? Day and night. What are you supposed to be doing with God's word? Memorizing it, right? You're supposed to be hiding it in your heart. You're supposed to cherish God's word more than what? Gold and silver and food. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. As a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you grow thereby. I could just take what your attitude is supposed to be to the word of God, look at the average Christian and go, how much time do you read? How much time do you study? How much time do you memorize? And whenever you do, whenever people want to have this argument with me, I can usually put that in front of them and they'll say, well, but, and they'll make 900 excuses. No, 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 no. If you want to argue that regeneration creates all of this, then it should start right there. You're not saved. And then they'll get mad. But then they'll get mad when you say, well, wait a minute, we don't judge people's imputed righteousness by a practical righteousness. Well, wait, if you want me to judge you, I just judged you and proved that you're not saved. Because, I I mean, does anyone meditate on God's word day and night? Memorize scripture? I mean, how many scriptures have you memorized in 2022? I mean, I can, I can go all day. I mean, do you, uh, do you spend more time reading and studying your Bible than you do eating physical food? 
You probably eat three times a day, right? Probably with a snack thrown in. So you probably eat something around four times a day. How many times a day do you spend in serious Bible study? Statistics say the average Christian doesn't even do serious Bible study. They may do reading. They don't do study. Okay, well, I think regeneration has to be what happens to my spirit comes from death to life. I have faith, but it doesn't always translate into just a change of action. Uh, let, let's, let's continue. Go to uh, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Oh, I know this is going to be unpopular, but that's okay. I can already feel emails coming at me as I speak. Yes, I just got an email. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, already. It's seven seven minutes ago. Okay, I'm not even gonna read it right now. I'm not even gonna read it. Okay, all right, all right. Here, here we go. John chapter three, verses three through seven. All right, we all know this one. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now stop right here. I want you to see why I'm making a difference here. Born again here is connected with regeneration. Yes? Right? Everybody says that that's what it is. It's a new birth. So this is not using the word regeneration, but it's using the phrase new birth. I don't know what the... uh, Is is, is those two words basically one Greek word? Can someone look that up? Unless he is born again. Is that one Greek word? Or is it two separate Greek words? I'm going to try to make an argument here. I don't know if I can, but I'm going to try. Two separate, okay, and the word born. Kanao. That's for born. Okay. From above. So it's to be born from above. That's true. And the word born, uh, the Greek word uh, for born, what's its definition? What, what was it again? Kanao. Okay, too. Okay. So to give so we are born from above. It's a birth from above. All right? Now, li- listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. All right? Regeneration is connected to the idea of birth and life. It it does not. Now listen, the text says The new birth is what gets me into heaven, right? Is that what it says in John 3? What verse did we just read? Read it, the whole thing. All right, you can't see, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Now, if, if you're not careful, please listen to how this, see how this plays out. Because this works really well in the Catholic system, right? Yes, you've got to be born from above. You've got to receive regeneration. And how do you receive regeneration within the Catholic Church? Infant baptism. Boom, you're regenerated. Okay, now, guess what? With that regeneration, it's a change of everything inside of you. You have basically an infusion of righteousness. You have to cooperate with it. And if you cooperate with it enough, you'll die in a state of grace. Then you go to purgatory and get the rest of sin uh, purged out. Okay, well, if we're not careful... For them, what? And, and that Catholic system, what's really the proof of the new birth? Action. Right? 
Well, for us, I think our view is that new birth, what's the proof of new birth in our system? Now, many evangelicals will say it's a change of action, but that turns it into an infusion of righteousness. I think the proof of regeneration, the proof of a new birth, is faith. That we go from dead to alive, placing our faith, and then what do we receive by faith? An imputed righteousness, right? So we don't judge the new birth based off an impractical righteousness. We base it off a faith that gives us an imputed righteousness. So regeneration in the new birth can't be about a change of behavior. It has to be about a bringing a dead spirit, a dead sinner to spiritual life so that we place our faith in God where we therefore receive an imputed righteousness and that is how we are saved. But if you say that the new birth and regeneration produces a change of action that supposedly proves that you're saved, then your salvation I don't care how you try to work it, becomes about that change in behavior, which makes the new birth basically an infused righteousness. It basically becomes a Protestant form of Catholicism. I think new birth and regeneration is what happens to my spirit. It brings me to life. Let's read the rest of this. John 3, 3 through 7. Verily I say unto him, except... Uh, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We believe that born of the water is being born from the word of God. The word of God is what is the water. Oh, I believe there, not baptism, because again, if baptism does this, then, well then, you put water on someone and they're immediately regenerated. So we could save everyone by just putting water on them, which would be a major, there'd be all kinds of issues here, right? Um, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now, what's interesting is these are supposed to be talking about the Holy Spirit's role in this. I guess the way you can do so is born again is connected to regeneration and Titus does connect it to the Holy Spirit. All right, so I guess that's how you could get the Holy Spirit here. All right, so I want to make sure everybody understands my perspective. All right? My perspective is regeneration basically equals to what? Life to our spirit that was dead, which results in our faith in God. Okay? Does that make sense? How do most people understand it? That regeneration results in what? The total transformation of the person radically changed. The Bible dictionary goes so far to say it changes the old nature. They almost teach the eradication of the old nature. And I can demonstrate that does not happen. And I've changed my view on this dramatically, okay? All right. Okay. Um, I'm going to make sure of something. All right. So I just want to make sure you understand. And when I was a young Christian, 
I would have taught this very much. Regeneration changes you, transforms you. You're going to love God. You're going to love the Bible. You're going to, you're, and you're going to be doing all these things. And if you don't do those things, you're not saved. That's how I would have taught it. But at some point, being around Christianity for as long as I've been around Christianity, you start realizing, well, who's saved? You, because you just start calling everyone into question. You're just like, they're not saved, they're not saved, they're not saved. And at some point, well, what? I, I couldn't continue to minister that way because it just becomes like, well, what, what am I even doing? Because people don't care about this, they won't do this, they can't, don't, don't, don't. You're just like, what's the point? And not only that, at some point you start looking at your own life going, well, man, I don't even know if I'm saved now. So that's just a pathway. To, it's a pathway to deconstruction is what it is. And that's what we're seeing. And not only that, the big change came in my life is by going to a Catholic university going, I think I've been teaching Catholicism my whole Protestant life. And when the, and when the Protestant, you know, when the Catholic priest and the Catholic professors are basically like, that's just Catholicism. Why do you claim to be a Protestant when that's basically Catholicism? And I'm like, no, it, no, maybe it is. Maybe it is. He's like, if you, because their argument, if you believe in an imputed righteousness, then you don't judge it by a practical righteousness because imputed doesn't produce practical. And if you believe in a practical, then you have to be infused with something to give you the practical. And that creates all the problems. I do have spiritual life. So I believe the spiritual life is manifested by, in what way? My faith in God. And what happens when I put my faith in God? Imputed righteousness. Does that make sense? All right. That, I, I, that's what I'm going to, to stay with. They offer one more passage. All right. Go to 1 Peter 1.23. No, oh, they give us two more, actually. First Peter one twenty three. What do you read there? First Peter one twenty three. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth, liveth and abideth forever. So there are two things involved in our regeneration. What are they? Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. Right. And why, why does it require both? Why do you think regeneration or the new birth requires both the spirit and the word? Okay, the word proclaims the truth, gives us the truth, right? Okay, but it is where? Outside of me, and what am I apart from the Spirit? I'm dead. What do words do for dead people? Nothing. The Spirit has to bring life so that I, and and not only gives me life, it has to give me the faith to then accept and receive the Word, right? So the, the, the spirit, so think of it this way, the the word is in a sense kind of external and the spirit is the internal and those two things coming together grant salvation or regeneration. Does that, does that make some kind of sense? I, I hope it does. I hope it does. All right. And then one more, we're going to run out of time. 
Man, alive? We didn't get very far, did we? All right, uh, go to James 1.18. James 1.18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Of his own will. So there are three things involved in our regeneration. And what are they? The spirit. The word. What's the third? There are three things involved in our regeneration. Spirit. The word. No, no, not faith. Faith is the result. Oh, the scriptures give them, the ones right there. The, Titus gives us what? The Spirit, right? Okay. First Peter, the Word. And what's the last one? No. Come on, what's, what, what, how, why are we regenerated according to that verse? Now read the very beginning of the verse. He chose God's will. It requires the will of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God. Your will does not produce your regeneration. God's will produces your regeneration. You can't will your regeneration because you're dead. God, God has to regenerate us. And how does He regenerate us? Re, 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 regenerate us through His Spirit and through His Word. You must have the Word, you must have the Spirit. But does everyone get regenerated? No, why not? Because it obviously not, it's not God's will that everyone is regenerated. Now, immediately people are going to like, no, no, no. God desires everyone to be regenerated. Well, if he desires everyone to be regenerated, everyone would be regenerated unless there's an equal or greater power than God to stop it. In fact, it would have to be a greater power, not just an equal power, because if they were equal, they would cancel each other out. So that would make me greater than God. And not only that, if I'm dead, I can't will regeneration. A dead person can't will their resurrection because they're dead. <laughs> so an outside sword, an outside force has to produce the regeneration. It's the will of God, it's the spirit of God, and it's the word of God that brings about my regeneration. And my regeneration is moving me from death to life so that I can believe. And by faith, what do I receive? An imputed righteousness. Does everyone, everyone understand that, right? The way you probably were taught is that you were regenerated, and what is the result of regeneration? Practical holiness and righteousness. And that's how you judge your regeneration. Which that almost sounds like you're being saved by an infused righteousness, which creates all... Well, basically, then, again, it just becomes problematic because how much... If you're going to judge, if you're gonna judge your rege regeneration by, an, by practical righteousness, how much practical righteousness is required to prove regeneration? And why is it that some people who haven't been regenerated seem to have more practical righteousness than those who have? I've met conservative Mormons who are very righteous in their life. I've met atheists who are very righteous in their life. I've met Muslims who are extremely righteous. I've worked with Muslim doctors, Muslim uh, medical techs, who 
Very right. I mean, they pray every time you're supposed to pray. They follow the dietary laws. They're, in fact, they, they, they were more committed to prayer and the study of the Quran than the supposed Christians were in reading and studying their Bible. Did they experience regeneration? No. Well, then, what? So then, then get what the, what's the, always the old argument? Well, those Christians aren't saved. That, that, that's the only card that Christians can ever play, right? If, some, if you point out what Christians typically do, they're not saved. And well, then who is saved? So I think regeneration is simply the fact that I am made spiritually alive so that I believe in God by a faith granted to me. I'm granted repentance, right? I'm gra- I, so when I say repentance, I, we change our mind about what sin is, Yes. I'm, I'm focusing on repentance as a change of mind more than anything else, right? Because what happens when I'm, when I'm brought to spiritual life? Here's what I should realize. I'm a sinner, which is a change of mind about sin, because probably prior to that, I didn't think I was a sinner. And now I realize my only hope about that sin is Christ. That's what happens when I'm regenerated, a new birth. I'm born again, and now I believe, and then guess what is the result of that? Well, a, new, a, spir- a spiritual life. And then by faith, I receive an imputed righteousness and then my salvation is complete as far as the salvation is concerned. And you say, well, where does practical righteousness come into play? Practical righteousness comes into play that now what I'm, after I believe, what am I taught to do? Obey all that he's commanded. It doesn't mean it's going to magically just happen and I'm going to always be godly because then you would have to go to Romans 7. And how does Paul end Romans 7? We've talked about it now about 15,000 times. What's the last verse of Romans chapter 7? I believe it's verse 25. You can look at it. No, that's not the last verse. That's in that chapter, though. He says something that he does something with his mind and does something with his flesh. What does he do with his mind? He serves God with his mind. What does he do with his flesh? How is that even humanly possible if regeneration produces a dramatic change of the nature? And why would Paul be earlier saying the things he wants to do, he doesn't do, and the things he doesn't want to do, he does? But the Bible dictionary says it completely changes your old nature. Well, then how does that work? In fact, salvation should be like this. God regenerates you. Now the old nature is gone. Now you live according to the law and, and then you can be saved. At, well, which is kind of like, sounds like Roman Catholicism, does it not? No, I, my spirit is changed. So the Holy Spirit regenerates me, which changes my spirit from death, brings it from death to life, gives me faith and repentance. And by that, I am given the imputed righteousness of Christ. From that point on, I am to be taught what God commands me to do and seek to obey it, however imperfectly. But it does not eradicate the old nature, doesn't change the old nature, doesn't do anything like that in any way, shape, or form. And guess what, can, what uh, regenerate people can do? Sin. And I can demonstrate that they sin all the time because I can give you some just basic commands. Right? Meditate on God's word day and night. Desire God's word more, more than gold and food. Be holy as God is holy. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think I can just give you those commands, and if you're even halfway honest, you would have to say what? 
Woe is me, I'm undone. There we go. All right, we'll stop right there. All right, Lord God, we come before you this evening. I hope that we are on the right understanding to regeneration, but Lord, I know this, that no matter what people claim about the doctrine of regeneration, the one thing is true of every person in this room and every person listening online is that we still have a sinful nature and we still sin. And any denial of that is a denial of reality. And I hope that we can find a way to take that reality and make it make sense with what the word of God actually says. Forgive us where we have messed this up. Help us continue to learn so that we can move forward and to a better understanding. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,